Welcome to the Single H Show. My name is Michael Davis. This week, we are given Single H the week off. A lot of responsibilities going on in his life. And as we continue these conversations, these weekly conversations on a trans- transitioning journey, we also have to acknowledge that the real world continues and there will be some weeks we will not have single H, and I will step in in those weeks as a special guest host, as the overall producer of DWO Podcasting, and I will share with you some things that exist as a transparent, so we will do that this week. There, There's two different things I, I want to share with you. One is... Uh, uh, great moments in homophobia, as well as I want to share with you some resources that exist that you can look through as a parent of a dear soul who you are assisting through these journeys to know what your states are doing or are not doing in support or in opposition to these journeys. But let me begin with this conversation of great moments in homophobia. Last week I had the opportunity, and if you have been watching different podcasts that I've been a part of, I've had the blessing to be a part of the last podcast that you'd want. It is a movie conversation podcast uh, that you can find on iTunes as well as YouTube. And if you've been listening to Parts of Unknown, a sister podcast in the DWO network that also hosts the Single Eight Show, you'll know in recent days the Rocky Horror Show has become sort of this new fixation in DWO podcasting, but specifically with me. And last week I had the opportunity to go to watch the Rocky Horror Show in a small, independently owned movie theater within the area where we live. And a lot of my interaction with LGBTQIA issues, support, advocacy have been in supportive environments. You've heard us talk through on this podcast about uh, Pride by the Beach in Oceanside, California. You've heard us talk about San Diego Pride. You've heard us talk about the uh, Gay-Straight Alliance. You've heard us support and you've seen on our Instagram page our support of different groups of LGBTQIA plus supporting religious and civic programs like Open Space. So you have seen a lot of our interaction in places that are already heavily supportive. So this past week going to the Rocky Horror Show, I am once again entering this supportive environment, but this environment exists within an ecosystem of the real world. Uh, This small independently owned theater is also in an area that has a few uh, social clubs, young adult nightclubs, if you will, uh, many bars around this um, 
independently owned theater. And this past week was my first really in-depth moment of being in a place that was not encased in the security of a supportive environment. It was, in this case, it was a supportive environment that was encased by the real world. Now, we have spoken on this podcast about having to walk through the sign holders, the the WBC types the that go out and reminds people who God hates. But those situations that that has happened, although they had been intense and very worrisome, were still encased within the supportive environment of it either being San Diego Pride or Oceanside by the Pride by the Beach or what have you. But this situation was in the real world, and we're standing in line waiting to go in to the theater. And we're in a long line of individuals that, uh, that are all dressed ready for the Rocky Horror Show. So please affix your own mental images here. People dressed in character garb, people dressed in ways of expressive freedom, uh, being able to be open and free within their dress and demeanor, to be open and free in this presence. But we're in this long line of individuals waiting to go into this theater, still encased in the real world, and having individuals walk by that are going from one club, one bar to the next. And this is my third time going to this setting for the Rocky Horror Show. I've been in different places to see it, but this is my third time here. And in the past, waiting in line to go in, I've noticed the the lookers. It's sort of like the individuals when you're driving down the street and you're wondering why that the the traffic's slowing down. And there may be a, a wreck on the other side of the road, but the cars slow down to look at the wreck. Well, over time, I've, I've noticed those individuals walking by. The, the individuals that walk by a little bit slower, looking at the, the line of dear friends waiting to go and celebrate a great movie made in 1975. And all those times, it had just been individuals looking. Well, this night was the first interaction that had happened. And it became very awkward moment but the way it was handled was was quite elegant and i want to celebrate that in this conversation it's it's hard being individuals who feel that they are being looked at and judged much less being an individual that is in a place that they feel like the they sh- they are accepted. I mean, this is the Rocky Horror Show. Show it is a place of a- acceptance. When you hear the phrase "Don't dream it, be it," when you watch the imagery that takes place in this film, there is freedom that is expressed through this film. That all of these dear souls are there to celebrate, as we are waiting to be allowed to be let in to celebrate it. But this was the first night and. There were three gentlemen walking. Uh, they had obviously 
uh, enjoyed a few conversations with their good friends Jack Daniels and Tom Collins and Johnny Walker before that they walked through the line. And one of the gentlemen stopped and addressed one of the individuals and making the comment of, what are you wearing? Now, it wasn't a fashion critique. It wasn't uh, an individual trying to find a place to go shop. This was a derogatory question shared in a derogatory way. And within that, I noticed this this grace of empowerment that came from being in a place that a person was ready to celebrate identity. And I noticed the power and strength that that opportunity gave someone. Three preppy looking guys i mean they i mean these guys they could not have been more stereotypical if they were not actually ted mcginley harassing nerds i mean they were that level of preppy if you've seen the movie revenge of the nerds i they were that level of preppy they and they were that stereotypically preppy who were walking by so this one guy Again, very uh, obviously had a few conversations, again, with his friends, Jack Daniels, Tom Collins, Johnny Walker, and he, what are you wearing? So, two or three things could have happened. One, five or six of the dear souls waited in line, and this was a really long line. It was October the 13th. And it was a Friday, so it was a prime night to go to the Rocky Horror Show. And there were, it was a sold-out night that night. There had to be at least a hundred and some people in the line at this point as this conversation is going on. So a tassel of people could have surrounded him and <laughs> against his will escorted him away, which would have been confrontational and not healthy at all. There could have escalated, and all three guys could have started yelling. So, thankfully, maybe this guy's other two friends had less conversations with Jack Daniels that night and were more level-headed. But what happened was the grace-filled freedom that this person had being in this environment they were just able to respond, I'm wearing the same candy everyone else here is wearing. And then the guy walked away. So it was a very unique moment. Because even with the sign holders for me, I have not seen that much direct confrontation. This was a one-on-one -on -one moment. I mean, even with walking through... Um, uh, a walkway of the sign holders and having them yell, it still wasn't a one-on-one -on -one confrontation. There's still this buffer of, of mass that's not singularly confrontational. And, and for me, a collection of loud noises is easy to walk through if I keep walking, but one person standing in front of me is, is disabling. And, for me, the imagery of this was would have been a very disabling moment for me. But the freedom 
and the strength that this dear friend had. And the, the response, I, I chuckled in my head. I was very observant of what was happening because I was close enough that I would have had to be involved. I, w- I mean, I was that close. Um, uh, the, the, diffused the situation. Uh, Ted McKinley and his buddies walked away. And dear Ted McKinley, the, the great show killer of the 1970s and 80s, I, I, I mean no disrespect to you personally, but uh, it's that imagery of this preppy person trying to devalue another person, but that person holding on to their value in a very confrontational situation. And I was very proud of this person. I didn't know them, so I didn't say anything. But it was very interesting to observe because it was my first observance of a one-on-one confrontational situation. And it resolved well. I bring this up for another reason. And actually, I I bring up the number of people that were in the line. This small independent theater, I do not know how many seats this theater has, but I do know that it was a sellout crowd that night. So there were hundreds of people in this line. And one of the things that I am baffled with to this day, and this is a, a week after the event, is how can a person be so singularly focused on a phobia that they are willing to walk into a lion's den and make a confrontational statement and and dwell in it. I mean the 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 power and the misguidance of a phobia to make that statement. Now again, uh, many of you will email me at dwopodcasting at gmail dot com and remind me of this dear soul's conversations with Jack Daniels, Johnny Walker, and Captain Morgan, which <laughs> excuse perception it it it. it it takes away uh, cognitive focus and makes people do ignorant things. So uh, save your emails. I, I get it. But I couldn't imagine having that phobia to the extent of having it and walking into a lion's den to be confrontational. And this whole statement was nothing more than a moment to be confrontational. I mean, honestly, if... If his if his statements were returned in violence, and I'll take the the devil's advocate role in this, there's a hundred and fifty people that would have an eyewitness report that would be negative on him if the police became involved. I mean, I I, I can't imagine being so absorbed in a phobia that you step into a situation that is a no-win situation for you. But that is the power of phobias. But I had the blessing of seeing the power that a person has when they are in an affirming environment that allows them to find freedom within their identity. So as we deal with all these situations, this is what our dear friends are dealing with. 
in their transitioning journeys that single age shares each week and uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, journey that is heavily fought against and heavily attacked in so many different ways. Now, I want to share with you a website that you can go to and look at. And this is for our dear friends that are looking for ways to be informed on what's happening and looking for ways to be informed on, you know, what is taking place that is both affirmative and demeaning to our friends. Uh, this, this website, it is called translegislation.com. Translegislation.com. This is a tracking site that tracks bills, anti-trans bills that are taking place throughout the United States. So I'll share with you one more time, translegislation.com, and it, it holds bills. Looking at it this time, currently there are 583 bills that have been presented in 2023 alone that are bills targeting transgender friends. Out of those, 85 of them have passed. There's 373 bills that are still active, and 125 of them have failed. So if you go on this website, again for a third time, translegislation.com, this will give you a place to look at the opposition, the the individuals that are trying to be the loudest voices, trying to direct things based off of phobias, uh, mis, miseducation. But it's a place to go and look to see how that advocacy is needed and, and the places that advocacy is important. Also, it gives us an opportunity to read up on what's taking place so that we can know how to go out and vote, uh, go out and get information to the right places so that our friends within transitioning journeys, our friends within the LGBTQIA plus community can have advocates of support. Now, when you go to this page, there is uh, columns and places that you can go to to look at different bills. The first one is national anti-trans bills, and you can view all of the 2023 for this year, all the bills that are being tracked. There's also a way that you can uh, step out of all of the bigger bills. And if you look at there's the next one is the past bills. And you can look state by state at the past bills that have taken place that are anti-LGTBQIA. I want to celebrate something because as I, I hit this page, as it's broken down state by state, I wanted to share with you in our home state of California some of the bills that have been passed that are anti-LGTBQIA plus bills, and 
I have the blessing to share with you that the state of California's name isn't even one of the states to click. But I can tell, share with you 24 states, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, North Carolina, North Dakota, Nebraska, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Wisconsin, West Virginia, and Wyoming are all states that are on here with bills that have been passed that have an emphasis of focusing on anti-LGTBQIA trans rights. So I encourage you to go to this webpage. It is translegislation.com and there is a state map a, a map of the United States and you can actually click on your state to see all of the bills and the actions that are taking place so um, thank you friends for allowing me to speak with you this week as we give single H the week off my name is Michael Davis I am the editor and producer of DWO Podcasting, and everybody have a great week.